What's going on, everybody? It's Melissa Dumas, licensed marriage and family therapist in LA and the co-host of the Hats podcast. Not only that, the author of The Love Challenge, 30 Days, 30 Ways to Increase the Love in Your Relationship. I invited Melissa to join us on the show today to talk about the power of core beliefs in our relationships. Melissa, what is going on? How are things in your neck of the woods these days? Hello. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. So before we dive into core beliefs, Melissa, I'm just curious uh, to talk a little bit about your podcast, just so folks know they want to go and listen to the hats and what it's about. What's its inspiration? Right. Absolutely. So um, we just began season five Mm -hmm. and we just recorded our last week, we recorded our 100th episode. So today we launched our 101 episode. This season, season five, we're calling it the Renaissance season or the potluck season because it's going to be a little bit of everything. Um, But uh, traditionally, or the hats podcast is with my co host. Um, her name is Carrie Harper Howie. She's an attorney. Um, and as you mentioned, I'm a therapist. So it's the two of us coming together, sharing tips for the high achieving, high ambitious individuals that feel like I can wear all the hats. I yeah. do wear all the hats, but I do it with style and grace. And, but I also commonly need some tips, to, you know, to make it all work, make it all gel. So it's a podcast about different hats that we wear in life and different tips on how to wear them better. Awesome. That's amazing. I, I just recently was sharing with my audience a little bit about my my family history and I was essentially raised by you know my mother and my five older sisters who are all fierce women wearing many hats and I've watched them wear those hats well uh, mostly over the years so cheers to you and just like celebrating the fact that maybe you can do it all is that basically the message <laughs> so you can do it all but also the importance of you know taking care of yourself in the meantime and giving yourself the gas so that you can continue to go because one of the hardest things is telling uh, a high ambitious and achieving person that they can't do it all or that they shouldn't do it all but it's like okay if you're settled on doing it all then let me at least give you some proper tips and tools on how to manage it on love how to it. find harmony in all the things you do I love it I love it that's really great okay let's talk a little bit about harmony here uh when it comes to our couples and you do primarily couples work happy to have you on because uh, licensed marriage and family therapists are doing amazing things like like you melissa out in the world helping couples love more fiercely every day how do core beliefs either about people themselves like individuals in the couples that you work with but also Mm -hmm. their core beliefs about the world and how the world works how does that come up in the work that you've done uh, with couples, those kind of big picture foundational things. Right. Uh, Commonly, I will see it in couples when it comes to a point of crisis or when it comes to a point of challenges, you know, then couples will find themselves coming to therapy Um, once in a while or sometimes I'll get couples that are being preventative and that are coming in as they are in the phase of we've been together. We're thinking about taking it further or the connection feels a little off. So we want to, you know, address it before it becomes a bigger issue. But commonly couples come in during crisis when things are, are being challenged. And sometimes we will see that that challenge, the root of it is um, some of those core values and some of those core beliefs through family, whether it's through the way one person values their work or the way one person values money. Um, so we'll see it in a lot of different ways. Um, but, but money is one of them. Sex is commonly one of them. Um, the way that we rear the children or raise our family is another one that's common. And for the couples that I see that come in before they're deciding to get into this position of being married or um, beginning a family together, we talk about, you know, 
what are some of those core values and things for you now? So that way we can see where we differ and we can see where we can get on the same page. Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the thing that really inspired me to talk about this at all uh, was that I've worked with couples, specifically one in my mind where they had ever been married. Uh, they had a kid together. And they were getting to the age where they were going to decide whether or not they were going to take this uh, kid to church. So the uh, mom was raised Catholic and dad is an atheist. And so now this mm-hmm. conversation, like you said, it it was sort of preventative, but also like, okay, how are we actually going to do this? You know, what are we, right. <laughs> what is it? What are the conversations we're going to have with our kid about what we do on Sundays? You know what I mean? So right. uh, these kind of fundamental things, Melissa, we want people to come in before they get married, right? I mean, I think that's, yeah, I agree. <laughs> that's a hot take, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That is a big hot take. And especially yeah. when it's something that is near and dear to your heart or near and dear to your culture or the way that you've been raised or even the way that you want to do life. Because, you know, it is also common that you can be raised and born into a family that looks a certain way, but have possibly made a choice that that's not how you want to raise your children or that's not the life that you want to live moving forward. But having conversations about what does that look like, you know, to have a conversation about one partner wanting to go to church and one partner being an atheist, that's a big conversation to have because those are very different spectrums when we look at like the spiritual world or religion. And um, in regards to that, it's like, well, what is the common ground in there? Is there a common ground in there? Are we taking one person's stance or the other person's stance? And so that's definitely a conversation to have from the very beginning, as soon as you know that you're interested in that person. Yeah, it's so tough though, right? Melissa, I think you could probably attest to this and maybe many of your clients, uh, we fall in love with people. Sometimes we don't even imagine we're going to fall in love with. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe they are totally come from a totally different, you know, framework or right. Many couples do find themselves, I think in this spot, but it's so, it's so key. I think even if you don't think it's going to be a thing, like if you're not thinking Mm -hmm. about making babies right now, but you're just like in the first year of dating, still maybe start talking about these kind of big picture things at some level. Do you suggest that? And how would you, how would you recommend, like, when do, when do people start talking about these big picture things? Do you think, what's your view on that? in the dating process, we're being uh, preventative now. Right, right, right. Absolutely. I think that, you know, a, a, a date or dating someone is is an interview. It's a it's an opportunity to interview them and for them to interview you, um, not like a job interview, but definitely an opportunity to get to know one another. Mm-hmm. And part of that get to know one another conversations is about lifestyle. You know, what is the lifestyle that you live and what is the lifestyle that you anticipate living or what does your lifestyle look like for you in the future? You know, I think that those are all great questions to have. And sometimes those lifestyle questions will bring up things like, oh, one day I want to be a mom or, oh, one day I want to be a dad versus do you want kids? Do you want this? Do you want that kind of like a checklist yeah, of questions? Yeah, like yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be Let me get about a, a checklist, yeah. you know, right? <laughs> Envisioning and talking about what your lifestyle is and do you fit into each other's lifestyles, you know? And, and what does that look like? Because even if it's not the question of, of us dating and and thinking about having children together. What about the lifestyle for yourself? You know, is there a particular religion that you practice? What does that look like? Do I want to be a part of that or involved in that? 
maybe, you know, if you if you practice um, uh, Christmas, maybe I've decided I don't want a Christmas tree. And so if that's something that we're now having a conversation about in the earlier stages, in the first year of relationship, then that would be important to start, you know, looking at what does that look like? And is this going to work? Are yeah. we equally yoked? Yeah. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. I like that one. What that brings to mind is this idea of like, even just like a Christmas tree or how do you decorate or what is a holiday and what does that mean in your home? This is kind of what you're talking about. Yeah. The Gottmans, you know, I'm, I'm a big Gottman person. I just, I basically, all I do is talk, talk about Gottman Method Couples Therapy and they focus on it a little bit on creating shared meaning. But I actually make a huge deal out of that in terms of their theory in the work that I do. Because to me, self-awareness of the life that you want to live, like you're saying, Melissa, then you have a you have something to share with the mm -hmm. person you're dating and you keep, you get to keep your partner up to date even after you get married or whatever, right? On, <laughs> on changes to any of those big yeah. things. <laughs> It does. It absolutely changes. And one thing that, that I, I talk about with couples um, is renegotiating partnership because things can absolutely change. You know, you can go into a relationship and feel like, like, no, I'm good. I don't want children. That's not my interest. I, I want to travel. I wanted this. Or I wanted that. And then get into the relationship or get married or get more serious. I'm like, hmm. I've changed my mind, yeah. you know, and that's a conversation to have that just because the way that you showed up from the beginning stages or the dating stages, doesn't mean that's who you're going to be in the next five years, 10 years, yeah. uh, 15 years. We know that change is inevitable. We're, we're yeah. all going to change. But if we can renegotiate what our partnership looks like, then we are hopefully being preventative and not waiting for, you know, crisis to make those changes. Do everything Melissa's talking about right now. She's got it. She's, she's, she's got it on a lot. She's got it on a lot. Uh, let me uh, let me roll into something else here. Actually, I, I did want to talk a little bit about core beliefs as being a source of resilience really quick. Uh, and I know this came up, this actually came up initially for me when I was a military psychologist and I was working okay. in, a, in a setting where there was like chaplains who wanted to be involved in, you know, people's care. And so there was a relationship between mental health providers and religious leaders and other people in our, the Navy community, which makes sense. I mean, I, I think it makes sense, right. To, yeah, to have that conversation going between us and the spiritual people. Yeah. We, we can have both. We don't have to have one yeah. or the other. In times of struggle specifically, which is what happens when people come see you, Melissa, when they're in crisis in times of struggle, having some fundamental belief and shared belief ends up being a source of resilience that, that people lean on in times of trouble. Now, mm -hmm. have you seen that yeah, in the work? That absolutely. I have. Yeah. I've seen it and I've seen it different for everybody. Commonly, it's something that feels bigger than them. So for some people, it's nature. They may lean into that. For some people, it may be God or maybe Buddha or Allah or, you know, and for everybody, it's different. But for some people, it's something that feels bigger than them that they can lean into that is wiser than them, that is greater than them, that is more powerful than them. And maybe a recognition of, uh, you know, how imperfect and fallible we are in this life <laughs> and how yeah, small, absolutely. in other words, and maybe that's a particular view that I share, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it can yeah. definitely be humbling. Yeah. Humility is a good place to be too in relationships as well. When can shared beliefs become a problem? Can they become a problem? Can they limit a couple in terms of how they problem solve? Have you ever seen that happen? Here often people talk about twin flames 
well, this person, my twin flame mm -hmm. or whatever, this idea of a soulmate, in other words, like I'm, uh -huh. no, uh -huh. I'm supposed to be with this person and yet that person abuses them or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This mm -hmm. is kind of what I'm thinking about. Do you see any, any uh, times when that becomes an issue? Not really in your work. I don't know. Situations where someone's like, oh, this is my my soulmate and we have to be together, even yeah. if there's violence in the relationship. I have not personally seen that myself or in my office. I have heard those stories of not necessarily soulmates, but what one may consider as soul ties. You know, people that mm -hmm. get together and they have this hot, steamy flaming of a relationship, but realizing does it doesn't really work for them in real life, but still feeling some sort of connection to that person. So yeah. I've heard of that, you know, yeah. and, and then people, you know, having to go through their own healing process to, in a sense, disconnect or detach themselves from that person that feels good in one way, but realizing and recognizing that it's unhealthy for them in the bigger picture or yeah. unhealthy for each other. In that case, making sense of that as well, you know, really coming mm -hmm. to that themselves, making sense of that. And attributing whatever meaning in it is to, you know, why that relationship is not going to be the best for them, you know, even though it feels right, so good, right. maybe feels so good, Melissa. Right. That's what you're trying to say. <laughs> the soul. Yes, what did you yes, say? The soul. Yes. What was it? Soul ties. Soul ties. Soul ties. Yeah. Okay. Soul ties. Yeah. All right. Listen, one of the most important things to me in this life right now is love. And I, and I think probably is the case for you. You help a lot of people love uh, each other more fiercely and better. And uh, we can wear all the hats, we can do all the things. And maybe that is a core belief is to, that your relationship or our relationships and our emotional connection are that important that they stay central to our life. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Melissa, I right. think you and I probably right. were rolling on that vibe, I think. Absolutely, which is uh, what led us here, love. Love for what we do and, and love for the people we do it with. Absolutely. Melissa, thank you so much for spending some time with me today to, to talk about these very important issues. I'm going to put all of Melissa's information in the show notes so you can connect with her and learn more about the work that she does. That's all we got for our conversation about core beliefs with Melissa. Until next time, love each other fiercely, and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.